0: How's that for an intro? How, huh, buddy boy? Wow. Like, Technology. I, like, I feel like uh, Johnny Carson. You're like my Ed McMahon over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. Hey, welcome to the Backstep, everybody. This is our new uh, our new format. We're on podcast. We're, we're, uh, we're recorded live, if that means anything. And I'm Ronnie K out of New York. And, of course, there's my good-looking buddy over there with the big mustache. That's Tommy A. And we are the Backstep boys, and we're very glad to be here. Want to thank our producer Mark Howe, who's in the background. You can't see him, but he's working all the controls. And uh, yeah, the new format they want. For some reason, they wanted me and Tom to be on video.
1: This is unbelievable. Here's the two guys that have faces for radio. Exactly. And, and now we're on video. Remember, we met that we met a Hollywood producer
0: four months ago. We said, "Listen, we got a nice act." He says, "You guys got a face for radio." Sorry, you know. <laughs> so here we are, but. Uh, it's uh, good to be with everybody. It's uh, The summer is starting to uh, creep up. I'll tell you, here in the time, it's been in the 40s at night and in 60s during the day. It's already the end of May in New York. It's crazy how chilly it is yet. Wow. We have no summer yet. Is, is it changing by you or is it normal or
1: what? No, in fact, it's been kind of cool, uh, especially in the evening hours. But uh, according to the weather gurus, uh, that's supposed to change like next week. All right, yeah. Well,
0: we're waiting for summer. I mean, it's the calendar says it is, you know. But I'm still wearing long sleeves and a tie during the day with uniform. A lot of guys went over to the summer uniform. They're wearing short sleeves, no jacket. They're freezing their cookies off. Not me.
1: I'm I'm yeah. too off. You it, know, uh, you know, it's delaying the inevitable because uh, wildland season's coming. I know it, but uh, well, yeah, it, it's getting here a little slowly. Well, you know, somebody
0: said recently, Tom, and you could probably attest to this, but that there is no more wildfire season. It's all year round. Yeah. I can't like, argue with that. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know you, you've been in the middle of it so many times, you know? So, uh, so, uh, what, what people probably don't, don't know, uh, at, at this point is, is, uh, as you know, I, I live in New York Tommy lives in New Mexico, but he lives in this, in the town of Farmington, New Mexico. And, and last week they had a, a horrendous, uh, uh, mass shooting, uh, Young man got out of a car with body armor and a gun, and just started picking people off. And and I called right away as soon as I heard Farmington. I reached out for Tom and and uh, and Laurie to make sure that that they were not in the line of fire, and his and of course his daughter as well, who's a career captain in the county there. So, uh, Tom, maybe you can walk walk our our folks through what the hell happened and, and what the response might have looked like.
1: It uh, it started out uh, like you would expect. It was sheer chaos. Uh, Both uh, Lori and I heard the the initial gunfire. Uh, She was paying closer attention to it than I was. And uh, she asked if I heard it. And I said, yeah, kind of. It sounded like somebody hammering. Well, apparently I was wrong. And uh, as soon as uh, things started to escalate with the gunfire increasing, uh, Lori went and switched uh, her scanner over to uh, Farmington PD and uh, basically caught all the radio traffic from the get-go. Uh, shitstorm is probably the the proper uh, description of what was going on in the initial stages. It took them uh, between the, the coordination between police uh and and three different agencies uh, the city police department the county sheriff's had units coming in and the state police uh it, it took them a little while to get the coordination thing going but uh when it when it came to it it worked well uh they had a command post set up uh a little bit remote from the crime scene itself but uh from the time where this guy started uh, walking down the street in a in a fairly quiet neighborhood he opened up fire and was shooting vehicles shooting houses uh shooting anything that uh, he felt like shooting and uh unfortunately uh, caused the uh, deaths of three people who were in vehicles two police officers were also shot uh while this was going on thankfully that the uh, that was not life-threatening. A, uh, f- a female sergeant from Farmington, PD, got shot in the pelvic area. And from what I understand, a New Mexico State uh, police officer, uh, while he was driving through the area where the shooter was, uh, got shot through his vehicle window in the hand and uh, drove himself to the emergency room. Uh once things started calming down, you could tell there was further coordination between law enforcement and fire agencies. And from start to finish, from the time that dispatch got the first call for shots fired till the time the suspect was taken out by law enforcement was about 10 minutes. And, um, I'm here to tell you that, uh, this was the first, uh, mass shooting that I've, even been peripherally involved in and, and it surprised me about how quick everything turned. But, uh, if, if I can tell you anything, uh, if you're in the mindset that it can't happen to you yeah. get past that it. it's happening. Uh, this is the second one we've had in the County a couple of years ago. You might remember there was a, a mass shooting at the uh, high school in Aztec, New Mexico kind of just a little north and east of where we are here. Get ready. Uh, We've been doing training uh, here in Farmington and in the county. Uh, The local uh, OEM, Office of Emergency Management, coordinated a lot of that stuff with the schools, but it kind of exposed us to recognizing (laughs) the need for interagency cooperation and also what needs to occur to bring these things to some type of successful fruition. Uh, kudos to, to all the law enforcement agencies here. Uh, the local police chief kind of became the uh, the mouthpiece for the uh, information that was being released. And uh, they were doing uh, press briefings once a day to try to keep uh, everybody the the statewide media out of Albuquerque was pretty much on top of this thing. They were up, uh, enforced, uh, by that afternoon. Uh, thankfully, uh, it, you know, it still tragically took the lives of, of three women, uh, uh, that it, it left a big hole in the community. And I think the, the mental health aspect of this, of making sure that those responders that are feeling like they need to talk to somebody, they, they need to reach out. And thankfully, we've got the resources here uh, between the Red Cross and some other groups that uh, are offering therapeutic sessions for people who feel the need that they need to, uh, to talk to somebody about this. Uh, Even though I was not, you know, uh, involved in this, I knew a lot of the people that were. And uh, I I pray to God that we don't need to do the the trainings for this, but I don't see it getting any better. Uh, Be prepared and uh, understand what you're going to be up against. I'm sure there'll be some type of after action report on this thing. And uh, hopefully I can get my hands on it and pass it on to others as lessons learned. And, you know, that's something that Ron and I have uh, always talked about uh, on this show of making sure we heed the lessons. And, you know, there but for the grace of God, we didn't have a line of duty death with law enforcement. And uh, kind of take it from there. Yeah, you know, I, how, how, how big is
0: the uh, Farmington Police Department, Tommy, uh, like on patrol at one time? Uh, probably 25 maybe. Okay, so that's 25 cars
1: out there? Yeah. The city? Okay. okay. And, you know, of course, different divisions that are out there. Right. And uh, some of the, the stuff that we would consider to be admin, like uh, the, the training guys and uh, some of the other uh, upper command staff, uh, were actually involved in the gun battle, uh, just because they were so close. This this really wasn't that far from either uh, police or fire headquarters. Yeah, and you know what?
0: It it it's uh, nobody's immune at this point. You know, nobody really nobody is immune. It, you know, the what when we had the shooting, I was working in, in Connecticut when we had the shooting at the at the uh, the Sandy Hook school. You know when that that, that animal took out twenty three people, twenty kids and three adults, or whatever it was, eighteen and five. And uh, but but uh you know, a nice little town, Sandy Hook, Connecticut. It's a new town and it's quiet and it's kind of rural-ish. You know, not rural, rural like you know it, but rural-ish. And you know the suburbs and yeah. it's, you know, everything's nicey nice. You just but so that that kind of that that put the flag up for me like wow nobody's immune. And then and as it's happening you know, as, as we're still evolving here and, and with with the shootings, you know, every other week and, and, you know, and then, so every, nobody's immune, you know, my last command before I went back to FDNY, I was a chief in a small town, a small affluent affluent town in Connecticut in Fairfield County. And we would, we would, because we were so close to Sandy Hook and we were kind of, everybody was always very cognizant. So when I would go to town hall and see the town fathers about, you know, improving our operation and, and now, you know, the last six months, last year I was there, we were working very closely with the police. We arranged some training, uh, some realistic training. We had an outfit outfit come in through the state and through the county to do some uh, training, you know, joint training, you know, doing the task force thing, you know, two medics in the middle, you know, four cops in a diamond formation, one guy in the back, one guy to protect the team as they're going in. And we did some good realistic training, you know, and then we were in the midst of looking at ballistic equipment. And you know what? This year at FDIC, Tom, th- th- there were guys showing ballistic equipment, you know, and not just this year, the last couple of years. I mean, I, I would never, ever. You no, know, I mean, who thought? You and, been around, you and I have been around a long time, you know, as it says up on the thing. We wrote the back step, you know. Uh, this is 48 years for me, and I think you're around 46 or 45. You're right in the neighborhood, right? So it, it never, never 20 years ago we wouldn't even th- be talking about this, no. you know maybe 15, you know, so it's, it's, but it's one of these things that this is society has kind of bent this way. And, and uh, we have to be prepared, you know, it's that the boy scout motto be prepared, but it's, it, it holds, it holds. If, if, if in, in a community, if you're not even discussing this, if you're not talking about this, particularly with your police chief, then you're going to get caught short. You're going to get caught short. And I think one of the best examples we've seen uh, of late, if you remember Tom, when we had the, um, when I had the concert in Las Vegas and the, the guy was up on the, on the top on a, yeah. on a floor in a hotel with, with, the bumps, with the bump stock and he was, and, and then we had, we had our buddy on the show right after that, uh, a clock lamping from uh, Clark County Fire. Clock from clock, right? <laughs> and and he, he talked about, he talked about the thing, but he said, he said, if you get to see some of the footage, he says, we know we're target rich. It's Las Vegas. He said, so, he, you know, after 9-11, we started talking about this kind of stuff. But then as the as the shooting started to pick up, we said, you know what? We're target rich. There's a lot of people that come to the city with big venues and, and just Las Vegas Boulevard. There's thousands of people just walking up and down a boulevard every night, you know, going out for a walk. And and so they've been training. You could tell they, they've they been training for three years leading up to that shooting. And and you could tell their operation went, went very, very well. Uh and and for you, for you folks that didn't follow it, or you just you're young in in the in the fire service, and you you, you haven't looked at that case history, how they found the shooter, which because he was on an upper floor in a, in a hotel room, and he was shooting down on this open concert, people went to go see a concert, um, the smoke detectors gave him away. So that's how they pinpointed his location. He he was shooting off so many shots, the the, the smoke coming out of his rifles actually set off the smoke detectors in the room, and, and that's how security led the cops to that room. And and he had a camera set up in the hallway that they didn't see. He took a, a, a tea serving cart and put dishes on it and stuff. He called room service, I guess, a few times. and left it there, and he put a camera. So he was able to see them coming down the hall. So as they came down the hall, he stuck the gun in his mouth, took himself out. But uh, the smoke alarms, our, our fire system gave him away uh, for what it's worth. Uh, the... But, uh, you're not but, talking about this. If you're not thinking about it, if you're not having discussions with your police department, you're going to get caught short. Nobody is immune at this point. Nobody's immune. No.
1: And, uh, you know, further investigation into this thing has led uh, law enforcement to the conclusion that there was a suicide by cop scenario. And uh, I, uh, I'm at a lack for words that somebody would think that's a good idea, shooting civilians in order to get the cops to show up so you can pull a weapon and have them take you out. Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: he, 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 not for nothing, but but you could just stand in front of a patrol car with a pistol out and point it at the cop and just wait for him to get out of the car and take you away. I mean, that's pretty academic if you think about it. But, I, I, Tommy, what I, I heard, I thought I heard on the radio that – There was two women in one car and a woman in another car. The two women were mother and daughter. And mom was in her 90s? Yeah, grandma was in her 90s. Yeah, Um, so like this this woman made it it to her 90s, and then this guy just
1: took her out with a gunshot. And completely random shooting on the street. Uh, Unfortunately, the the two women uh, that were killed, the mother and the grandmother, are the mother and grandmother of a Farmington firefighter. Oh, is that correct? Why I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, wow. it, uh, yeah, it didn't hit the uh, the media, but uh, funeral services are coming up towards the end of the week, and uh, everybody's hurting. I, I'm sure,
0: I'm sure, because I, I'm I'm thinking Farmington is not not a big city. It's it's a small city, you know, and everybody kind kind of knows everybody, you know. Yeah, Same you
1: thing. know the the most of the community, I think, is at least familiar. Right. Uh, 35 square miles and a daytime population of about 100,000. Gotcha. So it's not it's not huge. Uh, the county is kind of a the residential community for the city. If people are working, generally they're coming into town to do that. But you know, it'll uh, again. I'm at a loss for words. That that. For whatever is going on in your life, that you think that's a good idea. Yeah, well, a lot of this stuff defies
0: explanation. I mean, you know, some some of the experts can't put it together. You and I, we're not expert in anything, so we're never going to put this together. Okay? <laughs> a couple of dumb firemen sitting here, like, what the hell, you know? But but yeah, it it kind of defies logic and everything that that we know is is just and true and all that stuff. So I, I I'm with you, and and uh, I I think the whole. The whole nation you know when, when this happens your hearts go out to that community those families affected and, and everybody else so uh, uh i'm sure it's the same now i'm sure it's the same now
1: uh, hey, there's a, sure. a couple of things i wanted to mention before we move into uh, something else sure. uh okay. three things really uh april 1st 1993 was the uh, date that the uh, my friend lou sheets of the chatham new jersey fire department made the supreme sacrifice. And uh, my uh, April 1st is not April Fool's Day for me. It's more my day of remembrance and uh, trying to remember the legacy that Lou left. And I've mentioned in many of the articles where I've written about him, uh, he was one of my first mentors. And uh, I, I didn't know what the word meant at the time. But uh, Lou was one of the first true safety advocates that I had met in the uh, the fire departments. Uh, and there was a bunch of us that hung out together, and people that you know, Ron, uh, Joe Wertzbacher, uh, Ricky DeGroot, uh, some of the crew that uh, we use uh, at the memorial service are the guys that I came up probably for the for my first four years in the fire service with. And uh, Lou left uh, a lasting legacy. Uh, He was uh, struck by a chimney that uh, had come loose from a residential structure during a uh, collapse. uh, the, The report is still available on the New Jersey Division of Fire Safety website. And it was, of course, before NIOSH got involved. In doing line of duty death investigations. But uh, you can still pull that report up. And again, I always encourage taking those reports and doing at least some type of coffee table training with them. Talk about what some of the recommendations are, just so that, you know, guys like Lou, their, their deaths are not in vain. And uh, the stuff is out there and it's still good stuff. And God bless them. I miss them every day. And uh, he's always in my thoughts, especially uh, around the time of April. And of course, when we're at the uh, National Fallen Firefighters Memorial. Uh, The other person we need to uh, wish a uh, hasty and uh, hopefully quick trip to heaven is for uh, Ann Murray Springer. I don't know how many of you remember Ann. She was a uh, National Fire Academy icon and an EFO instructor there for many years, and uh, she passed away here recently. And last, but certainly not least, on the congratulations list, Mr. Victor Stagnaro, who <laughs> was the uh, chief operating dude for the National Fallen Firefighter Foundation, has been selected to replace if you can replace them, Chief Ron Sarnicke, uh the Executive Director of the Foundation. Victor is a great guy, somebody that Ron and I get to spend a lot of time with, especially for planning the Memorial weekend. And uh, I think they made the right choice. Victor is going to do a great job in that position. And uh, much like the conversations that you and I have had, Ron, on uh, not being able to replace people, uh, Ron Sarnicki, Bobby Houghton, God bless his soul. Uh, the guys that are coming in behind them, I think, are smart enough to realize that they can't be the, those people, they've got to be their own, and they're going to do great jobs and fill in uh, filling those spots. Listen, it, it's not, a, it's not unlike Tommy, not unlike what Dave Rhodes said
0: at the opening ceremonies at FDIC this year. He, he Dave, was spot on, man. He said, People are telling me I got big shoes to fill, but I, I don't. He said, Bob- Bobby got here wearing his shoes to this location, and I'm wearing mine, and we took separate paths to get to this one spot. I'm not here to fill his shoes. i I got my own shoes on, he says, and I'm going to do the best that I can. I mean, he, his his comments were just spectacular, the way he put that about filling somebody's shoes. And and I think it, it's going to go the same way for Victor. You know, we I know Victor – when I started with the foundation in 1998, 24 years ago, or 25 years ago, uh, Victor was the operations guy. And there was <laughs> – Tommy, there was 10 of us. and Now we got 35, you know. But there was 10 of us, man. And we talk about – talking about schlepping, boy. We slept uh, four days. We slept and we never slept. So uh, we would sleep on the way home while we were driving home on the turnpike. We, we'd nap while we were driving. So we got a little something in. But, but Victor was – he was – the guy up on the, on the third floor of K building overlooking the infield. And we would just go up and down the stairs and say, what do you got? All right, go over there and pick up 5,000 boxes and 850 chairs and move them over there. Okay, we'll be back. You know, so he, I, I met him. He was like one of the first people I met when I started with this whole thing. You know, and then, of course, over time, we've been working together for 25 years. And and uh, he jumped into that managing director's position a couple of years back. And now he's going to be the big boss, and and I will tell you, um, he he talks he talks to uh, well, when, when he comes in to any meeting and he says, guys, thanks a lot, I appreciate you what you do, and and you know can't do it without you, and, and all those nice accolades that that they give not just me but to, to the team, he means it, and and as Ronnie did, you know these yeah. guys really mean it, you know it's it would be nearly impossible to run. The memorial weekend the way it runs now without the fire service supporting the full-time staff full-time staff they're in that trench all day every day 365 you know and there's only a handful of them I think there's 15 or 20 you know and, and uh and 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 it, some of them have been there a long time you know with genie uh Jeannie Tobia and 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 uh, bev, uh, bev Donlin and I knew both of them before they had those names I remember them with their less with their last set of last names 100%. Funny because I called Jeannie Jeannie Moreland recently, like on the phone, and I went, Wow, I can't believe I just said that, you know. But someone have been around for a while, and they, and they swing away every day, you know, and Charlie Jaster, you know, and, and who the rest of the team there. And and uh, but the Memorial Weekend is it's gotten big, it's gotten uh, it's gotten gr- more uh, pomp and circumstance, more gracious, more professional, you know. We 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 got. 25 operating units, you know, and, 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 and so, you know, when guys like Ronnie and now Victor, you know, they've always appreciated, you know, what the fire service does to help them put that weekend on together. And, and, and I, and I, you know, I, and for us, as, as most of our listeners, now our watchers, not even listeners anymore, what our watchers tell us is that, and, and it's a, it's an honor for us to do it. You know, it's just an honor for us to be there to do it, uh, the, 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 the best part of the whole thing, ladies and gentlemen, is when we get the letters from the families after the weekend, and, and most of them say, I've got a little bit of closure, thank you. And that's that's to us, that's what melts our hearts and keeps us coming back, because we're able to give our families closure. And frankly, that's the part in 2020 we didn't get, because we didn't do a ceremony the year of COVID. And that's the part, I remember calling Gary, Gary Critchbaum is our deputy IC uh, and I and I said, you know what, Gary? It was after, after that weekend when it should have been that weekend. We actually did a tribute uh, a tribute by video that was produced by our video people, and it was forty five minutes. So we showed it right on that Sunday, and it went on streaming across the world. and And it was okay, you know. Uh, however, however, I I called Gary that night, and I said, Did you watch the video? He said, Yeah, of course, we all watched it, you know. And I said, Here is my problem, Gary the families could not have gotten any any closure at all. They just saw their loved one on a video f- f- for a couple seconds. And and that's the part that kind of ate us up in 2020. And We were so, so glad to get back in 21 and make it happen again. So I, I, I think I'm going to move right into this year. Um, As you know, as most of you know, uh, this was a, a first week in October gig for the first 35 years or so. And, and the board of directors of the foundation moved it to May. And, and the primary reason, in case you don't know, is because we we have the looming federal government shutdown over our head every year because their budget starts October 1st. So there we are doing all this planning all through the year. And then the government says, well, we're going to close everything down, which happened to us about, Tommy, what was that, about 10 years ago? Yeah. And it happened Twice. I I, I I remember one time that, that you remember twice. I think so. Nah, one time because we went next door to door as a charity. We opened up a command center over there. I remember that doing that once. We have been we've been, we, we, we've relocated to, to Mount Saint Mary's for rain many times. That's for sure. Okay, maybe I got
1: some mixed up.
0: Yeah, the, the complete lockdown happened to us once and, since I've been around it for twenty five. And, uh, and, and we may do. You know, we did the best we could. But that looming shutdown is always there. So the boss said, you know what, let's go to the spring. We'll have it in May. And, and so with this particular year, we only had from October to May. We didn't have a full 12-month turnaround. We had eight months instead or so. And we pulled it off. We pulled it off. We have... Uh, Tom, as you know, Tom's the operations chief. I'm the IC for the weekend, but we have some amazing people that work with us. I mean, we've got the A team. We've got the friggin' A team, no doubt about that. And everybody dug in deep and, and worked at it. I mean, we work at it all year round anyway. You know, we, we, are already working for next for next May. but everybody dug in really deep and to make it happen. And we had a beautiful weekend. Uh, it never goes without flaws. It's never flawless, but it's damn close. Damn
1: close. Uh, uh, the, you know, and, uh, the, the beauty of that is uh, the, the families don't see what I lovingly refer to as the man behind the curtain. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I got to tell you, for all the years that uh, I've been involved in this, and I got to thank you, Ron, for getting me involved, uh, this was probably the smoothest one I've seen. I I we we've had one or two like this uh, there was the
0: the the year uh, I think the year McGrath uh, McGrath was still the IC I was his deputy IC and remember I'll never forget we walked the, across the hall we we were in building S for you National Fire Academy folks the command center was in building S we used the EMI side of the building and we used their their kind of their EOC and we go live for the weekend and across the hall there's another classroom but we used that as a layup room that's for our Our work teams, our schleppers, our our people who were moving, they moved the whole campus for four days back and forth everywhere. And uh, that's where they lay up in between assignments. And about 2.30 on Saturday afternoon, John and I, John McGrath, uh, who was the IC before uh, chief from Raleigh and before that the the chief of department in Philly, uh, we came back from somewhere walking around. And we said, oh, let's stop in and see if anybody's around. And we walked in and all the teams are in there and they're all fast asleep. All 30 guys are snoozing out. And I looked at him, and he looked at me. I said, John, we're in fucking trouble. He said, what do you mean? I said, there's no way that there's nothing to do right now. So we go running into the command center and start – we pull out the, the IAP, and we're going through stuff, and we're asking uh, Tommy. I don't know if, if – if yeah, you you took my place as ops chief, right? Yeah. So we're probably grilling Tom, and we're grilling – there's another – there's two Tommies. We have Tommy squared. The other Tommy's logistics, and we're saying – there's not – we're all caught up. Are you kidding me? There's nothing else to do. That was the only other weekend that kind of went like the weekend we just had two weeks ago. But absolutely, uh, for, the, for, the, for even, even the weekends, we've had a lot of heartache. But that heartache is in the command center, and our families don't see it. They, they, they don't it's, – it's, we have to make it flawless for them, okay? And we've had a couple of times. You know, we had, a, we had one of our staff members act out, you know, or – use a little foul language or something in front of families, and we ask them not to come back. Thank you for your service. Go. You know, and, and we, we have our staff. Everybody goes into town to have an adult beverage on Friday night, and they come back and they want to fight with They want to fight with the armed cops at the gate at the National Fire Academy. They're federal officers. What are you fighting with, them, idiot? You know, walk past, say goodnight, and crawl to your bed, and that's it. You know, get up in the morning, keep going. So those little things, but the families don't see it, and that's the most important thing. But we had a very – very successful year. Uh, this year's keynote speaker was the Secretary of Homeland Security Mayorkas. He did a fine job. He made a very good speech. He was very eloquent, and uh, we took care of our families. That's what we do. We honored 144. Uh, it was uh, 80, 80 and change from last year, and the the balance was the balance of the sixty and change were from years past, including the cancer deaths from the FDNY from nine eleven. So uh, 144 names went on the wall this year, and uh, we, we had a good, successful weekend, and and, and I, I can never thank the team enough. Uh, you know, Ron Sonicky sent out a, a nice email to to the, the command staff and says, pass this on to your folks and stuff, uh, because we, we, we it, 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 there's a lot of moving parts. We've got 25 independent units that have to work, and that's my job is to conduct that orchestra, so to so speak, keep everybody on the same page. And everybody's doing their thing and doing it well. And we're all interlocked. Everybody knows what's going on. Communication is the key, just like on a fire ground. You know, it's, it's like a 10 on fire. So uh, we, uh, we, we, we we do pretty well. We do pretty well. We've got the right people in the right spot for the right reasons. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. So uh, yeah, one of the interesting things, Tom, that uh, about three weeks out or two weeks out, we had a last planning session in Emmitsburg. And uh, uh, I think it was three weeks and one of our honor guard commanders, uh, Toby Martin from Virginia, he said, ah, he says, attendance is a little light for, for honor guard pipes and drums. And they, we, we put them together in one unit, uh, the honor guard, the pipes and drums together. They come marching across the field. They rehearse on Saturday. They come in on Sunday. They are in perfect lockstep. Those guys are the greatest, right? So he says, yeah, hey, we only got about 250, 260, you know, signed up. Now, we knew that the fast turnaround from October to May was going to be an issue for that. Because, you know, the guys are coming on their own dime. They're driving up, you know, they're, they're flying in, they're staying in hotels. You know, it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap, and we, we get that. So we said, you know, whatever we get, we get. You know, our thing is the families who were there for the first time, they have nothing else to compare it to. You know, if 100 guys walked across the field, it would look pretty impressive. So we got 250. So, all right, it'll be a band and an honor guard at 250. So they did a complete media, our marketing department, we've got a new gal in marketing, uh, Kelly, Kelly's somebody. They hired two Kellys, that's the problem. So I don't know if it's Kelly Casillo or Kelly Lynch, but one, I think Kelly Lynch is the marketing Kelly. And they hit Facebook and they hit Twitter and Feeder and the Backstep and all these other things, you know, that that you put out there, but I don't know any of that shit, right? I'm technically challenged. And uh, in two weeks, two and a half weeks, the band in the article, I went to 500 like that. And that was, for me, that was so impressive. And so uh, I was I kind of enamored with that. Like, wow, the, you know, these guys rose to the occasion. They heard the call go out. Yep. You know, the, the the alarm came in. We got to respond. And, and they did. They did. And they were phenomenal. And they always are. You know, our, our good friend, Odie, was there from, uh, I think he's living in Utah or something. He's somewhere out west. That he, <laughs> This was two weeks ago. He's still got eight feet of snow in his driveway or something. There's still snow in there where he lives. But uh, he's he's the, he's the band major. He, he's he's kind of the he's the stirrer in that drink. You know, I know what he's been coming for years, man. He's been doing it forever. And sure enough, uh, they they performed flawlessly. They were ph- phenomenal, like they always are. The honor guard commanders really take it on big. And, and, and uh, but the fire service, as usual in your normal fashion, rose to the occasion. Showed up. We had a nice weekend. Tommy,
1: any other thoughts on the weekend? No, no. It just. Uh... Uh, again, it's an honor for me to even be uh, closely involved with with all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, my passion for uh, lessons learned from those who went before us. Yep. And uh, it was good. I, that's, it was good.
0: Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning. We, we recognize the Vigilant Host Company in Emmitsburg. They've been giving us years and years of of, of just service. And, you know, they're a volunteer outfit, and they're, they're pretty busy. Uh they, they have the exclusive the exclusive logo on their rig is protecting the national fire academy nobody could say that yeah. but, uh, you know they, they're a the local fire company and they they're always there for us every year whatever we need uh and and they've done different things not just like give us a towel ladder to put a flag on uh, one year we needed a place to feed the staff you could have the firehouse you could set up your dining room and there i mean they're always there so we we had the president and of uh, and the the chief of the fire company come in and we gave them we gave them a recognition plaque at one of our – we do five five hot washes through the weekend, two on Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. We get the whole command team together, all the, all the 25 units, and we, we just go over stuff to make sure that we're all on the same page. So at the hot wash Saturday, we, we recognize them. We also had a plaque made for the Daughters of Charity. That's the beautiful uh, facility next door with the Basilica and all that, and they also support us. Um, if we have a rainy Saturday night, we have our candlelight vigil in the Basilica. And and this is a place, they don't build them like this anymore. If you get to Emmitsburg, go next door and look at the Basilica. It's like walking into St. Patrick's on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So we, we're going to recognize them in, in, at another time in, in place. Uh, and place. And then, of course, we, we gave Ron Sonic a standing over. It was his last Memorial Weekend as the, as the CEO and in for 23 years. So. The, the, the staff gave him a nice standing ovation for, for all the work he's done. Uh, and just flying 300, 300, days on an airplane, you know, and that kind of stuff, just flying around the country, glad handed people begging for money, doing everything he did to, to bring up the, the, the foundation to where it is today. Set, setting up an incident command system for the Memorial weekend, which we really didn't do before and all that other stuff. He has a ton of accomplishments. So, uh, yeah, we, we we had a very successful weekend. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit, Tom. Uh, there's a lot of chatter on the line about the uh, the construction site fire in Charlotte that left two uh, two construction workers dead. Um, and and it, what I'm seeing, what I'm reading is that pe- people are saying, okay, they said whoever they are, right, yeah. that the, the, the Charlotte Fire Department was not prepared for a fire like this, you know they weren't prepared for a construction site fire or that kind of stuff, you know, and and of course, you know, we are, what do we always say, Tom, keep your gun holstered, wait till the investigation comes out. Don't, you know, don't, don't be the keyboard cowards and start writing shit. But, but sure enough, you know, this is what, you know, this folks say, well, I didn't have this. They didn't have that. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. You know, uh, and what, have you, what have you seen on this thing? Have you seen anything on it?
1: No, I have not seen much on it, but you know, I look at the, uh, the uh, construction fires of the past and uh, you know you talk about John McGrath John had one in Raleigh uh, there was one in Maplewood New Jersey uh, a couple of years ago I don't know whether anybody's prepared for that it's a it's a vertical lumber yard with absolutely no fi- fixed fire protection in it whatsoever uh, they're they're designed to burn and uh, again we were kind of on the same boat of uh, it's not going to happen to us. Well, you know, guess what? Yeah. Uh, uh, water is probably going to be the key to success. You're now, listening to uh, Chief Brunicini over the years saying that, you know, it's, it's pure physics. The only thing the fire is going to understand is the correct fire flow. And if you don't have that, you're going to look bad anyway. Right. Uh, you might as well just get off uh, of it. Uh, even though there were uh, there was a loss of life with this, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be looked at heavily. Uh, uh, I gotta agree with to uh, You know, keep the guns holstered until uh, we've looked at all the data that's out there and figure out exactly what happened. Yeah, because that you know every,
0: everybody everybody's quick quick to you know rush to judge you know and and you really can't you know we, you weren't there you weren't there but I, but I, I like an I will tell you in the city buildings under construction get inspected every 30 days by the local company the engine or the truck whoever administrator company once it goes to 75 feet and becomes a high-rise by definition we have a unit in the bureau of fire prevention that takes over and and the idea to those is and that, that that whole unit that we have it's, it's called CDA, Construction, Demolition, and Abatement. CDA came from the Deutsche Bank fire, when they, they would they were demolishing the high rise across the street from the Trade Center, and they built this huge maze of plastic walls and two by fours to keep the dust down and everything. And they would and they had already started to destroy the standpipe system. So when, when our guys got up there, they got lost in the maze. They had no water. We lost two firefighters up there. So. CDA was 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 stood up in, in uh, after the Deutsche Bank fire. I think Deutsche Bank was two thousand seven, if I'm not mistaken, and the CDA was stood up uh, right after that. So it, once the building hits high rise status, CDA takes it and they do it every thirty days. And the standpipe has to be built with the building, you know. And we're not building shacks here, you know. We're building ninety nine story buildings every day in this city. Okay. You know, we're still doing high rises. Great article. I got to send it to you, Tommy. There's a 50 story high rise down in the Wall Street area that was going to be a residential. Mm-hmm. It's leaning five degrees off its foundation. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the chief inspectors just sent an article out the other day because the local newspaper grabbed the whole of it. it. It's mad what they've done with this building. It's mad. Oh. So there they, they was building department put violations on It's not occupied. And, and half of it is still open, like the upper floors, they never enclosed it or anything. So you know, we, 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 ha- we, at least we were able, we're able to keep an eye on this kind of stuff, you know? And, and I'm, I'm not sure where, where, where or who would does inspections in Charlotte? You know, we don't know if it's their department of buildings or the local company or whoever, So you know, none, none of that stuff is out. That's why it's hard to rush the judge. Um, the shame of it is, is, is that they lost two construction workers there. So I, I, I guess we'll find out eventually. I, I, like I said, I read what I read. I didn't know if you saw anything else, you know, not, not unlike we had the garage collapse three weeks ago on, yeah. on, on Ann Street. So this garage was built in 1923. So nobody, nobody in the world could be sitting there going like this. Wow, how'd that happen? Okay, in 1923, the only thing running around in the streets of New York were Model A and Model T Fords, which weighed about 500 pounds. You and I could pick one up by the bumper and flip it around, right? And horse carriages. What the hell do you think they were parking in there in 1923? Now, there's Suburbans, there's worse, – worse than a Suburban is a Tesla. It weighs Ooh, twice yeah. as much as a Suburban. The battery-operated cars are twice as heavy. They're all 4,000-pound they're all cars, the, the, the Teslas, the big ones. So now we got a garage full of this from a 100-year-old building, okay, built for carriages and Model T's and Model A's, right, and uh, it fell down. And the, the, I mean, the, the, the manager, the garage manager was killed. But it was ten after four. If it was five o'clock, this would still be on the news. Still be on the news. But they they found the building department went in there. They found that they wrote a violation twenty years ago, and, and unfortunately they didn't go back to check. You know, to see if it was taken care of. There were cracks in somebody the concrete. They found a bed. There was a steel beam in there somewhere that would that would look bad. So, if 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 you were not keeping an eye on this stuff at, at all times. It's going to get through fall through the cracks, so to speak. No point yeah. intended,
1: and, and we're going to have disaster, you know. So, it, interestingly enough, you know, did uh, did you happen to see anything on the uh, the webinar that uh, Lexapol was uh, putting on, and Billy G was uh, kind of heavily in, involved in this? But uh, took a look at the two recent line of duty deaths. Uh, one where uh, Battalion Chief Josh Laird in Frederick County, Maryland uh, was a line-of-duty death, and another one in Howard County, Maryland, where uh, Lieutenant Nate Flynn lost his life in a fire. The common denominator of these is not only the size of the McMansions that the fires occurred in, but uh, both dealt with uh, issues of lightning and CSST. if you don't know what CSFV oh, nice. is, you better hurry up and take a look at it because it's becoming almost as uh, popular as some of the uh, uh, battery fires that uh, we're seeing. But, uh, I read, a couple, we, of quick, we, I read it, a couple of quick
0: articles on it. I did see a couple of quick articles on it. The lightning they did a,
1: a phenomenal job on the webinar. I watched it this morning. It's uh, still uh, up on Lexipol's website, and uh, Billy G is basically talking with the uh, fire chiefs or uh, the fire chief from Frederick, a captain from Howard uh, County, and the uh, both of the surviving widows of uh, uh, Lieutenant Flynn and uh, Battalion Chief Laird. Uh, that that got to me, but these ladies are are probably as well-versed now with what CSST is and what some of the ensuing problems are with that. And, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with it in a nutshell, it's lightweight gas flex tubing that, uh, does not hold up well over electrical issues, lightning being the, uh, the two in that, but, uh, back when I was still doing private investigation work for insurance companies, I looked at one up in uh, a uh, unnamed town in Colorado where uh, the water system in this town is a little unique. Uh, Part of the water main passes uh, underneath a bridge uh, with a small tributary uh, coming underneath it. And in the winter time, it freezes. And what they had done for years to try to thaw that stuff out is take a, uh, a welding machine and hook it up to the water, the city water pipes to, to basically melt the ice in those things. Uh, unfortunately, in this case, they thought they had the uh, water pipe isolated going into a house. Uh, that became energized and in turn energized the gas system. Uh, for that house and caused the failure of the CSST, uh, that eventually arced, uh, the escaping gas from the gas line ignited and basically burnt the house to the ground. Uh, thankfully, uh, nobody was home, uh, while that occurred, but that was the first time I had seen that and, uh, heard it kind of described and talked about some of the conflicting issues with uh, building codes and whether a master plumber needs to uh, install these things, uh, I can guarantee you, you probably all got them in your first new districts. And uh, the more we know about them and the more uh, we know how to deal with them, I think the better off we're going to be. But if you get a chance, take a look at the webinar. Uh, A lot of great information, a lot of stuff that, I wasn't aware of, and uh, just uh, it, it needs to uh, make us more cognizant of recognizing that some of that stuff exists out there, and uh, how we're going to deal with it in the aftermath of a fire caused by that. Yeah, you know, you know, it's
0: it's it. I was talking about this the other day about like we're never done in this business. You know, somebody said to me at work, how long are you around? She said, said 48 years. I said, I'm still, and I told him, I said, I still open up a magazine. I read an article and I say, wait a minute. How did I not know that? You know, but it's, it's still evolving. You know, we, this is an evolving thing that we're in, you know, and, and, and we have to pay attention to stuff. You know, this is something else that, like they say, it's something else to worry about, yeah. you know, an active shooter, something else to worry about, you know, years ago it was awesome. And then it was. It was uh, hazmat, you know, something else to worry about. But that's that's why we, we're becoming this all-purpose, all-hazard organization. You know, we're not just the fire department anymore. You know, people call us for everything. So, I, yeah, that's I I had seen a couple of short articles written about that, and I knew the seminar was come, the webinar was coming up, and I I, uh, I didn't get my eyes on it. But uh, interesting stuff. This is the next thing, you know, lithium-ion batteries is, is the kind of the theme of the day, and this is like the sub-theme. They're kind of running parallel, you mm-hmm. know. So. You got to keep reading. You got to keep reading. People ask me, like, how do you know all this stuff? I says, I read a lot, and I teach. You, you, want, you want to get good at something, teach it over and over again. It's repetition. You get muscle memory. You know, how do you know all the dates of all the famous fires? I've lectured on them hundreds of times, you know. <laughs> how, how, how could you possibly know the date of the Triangle Shirtwaist fire? I said, it's, tattooed on, the, it's on tattooed, on, uh, tattooed on my ass. The Triangle Shirtwaist fire date's tattooed on my ass, you know?
1: So, well, you were on the second do engine on that. Yes, I, I was the second du
0: right. engine. Yes, March twenty fifth, nineteen eleven. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Although my academy director told the young kids in, in school the other day, uh, Chief Caneman responded to the burning bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, well, there's that, and I'm not his friend anymore, needless to say. But, <laughs> but um, the bush was not consumed. It was not consumed. It's correct. So yeah, it's, it's this. It's it's ongoing, you know. And and if this is If this is your job, if this is your passion, even when I say your job, even as a volunteer, this is a full time job. If you're a volunteer firefighter, this is another. You have two full time jobs. You you go to work and you get paid, and you do this, and you don't. But this is a full time job, and you have to consider it like that. So you got to stay sharp. You got to stay. You got to stay in it all the time. You got to touch it every single day.
1: You got to touch it every single day. Um, The uh, the other thing I wanted to mention while we were together. Uh, even though it happened a little bit back. And we missed last month because of uh, technical difficulties that uh, Ron and I were having with the uh, the old format and uh, couldn't get – we couldn't get on, if I remember. Yeah,
0: we couldn't right. get – that's right. I forgot about that. We couldn't get into the radio system. Remember, Blog Talk
1: Radio. That <laughs> Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. It's like talking to the queen. You know? But uh, right around that yes. time, that factory explosion occurred in uh, – West Reading, Pennsylvania, at the uh, R.M. Palmer Candy Factory. Yes. And unfortunately, that incident killed seven people and injured 11 others. Uh, they have uh, determined that uh, a faulty gas line may be involved in the ignition of that fire. But the thing that surprised me, I would expect that determination to be made by the Pennsylvania State Police or the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, but uh, it came out of NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, uh, and I, it was probably the first time I've been aware of of the fact that they've been involved in an origin and cause investigation. But okay, you, you said it was
0: a gas line. Yeah. Okay, so the NTSB has jurisdiction over gas transmission lines or pipelines that run through, this, through through the country like the buckeye pipeline does, you know liquid fuels if that was a if that was a transmission line okay or it was a branch of a transmission line then they have jurisdiction the ntsb i,
1: I did not know that i learn i learn you some stuff don't <laughs> worry you've learned, you learned me a lot of stuff <laughs>
0: Yes, that's the, the, in fact, in in D.C., they have the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Administration, so they're, they're tied together, pipeline and hazmat. And then the, the NTSB, that's considered part of the transportation system, are the pipelines that run through the country, like this, the Buckeye and, and those kinds of pipelines, gas transmission lines, etc. So that would give them jurisdiction.
1: It, uh, you know, probably just, uh, you know, from seeing them be involved in uh, aircraft disasters, uh, kind of thought maybe they had a narrower focus at that, but uh, you did remind me, and I think I had heard that in the past of the transmission lines be yep. falling under their jurisdiction. Yep, sure, sure is, sure is. So I think we got. The, I, I got a couple small ones, Tom.
0: The, our time is winding down, but there was a fireworks explosion in Massachusetts. Why? Because the guy was making them himself in the basement. That's why. Okay, and you, you know my involvement with fireworks. Uh, you know, I, I did a book in 2008, and I'm a fireworks guy and fireworks safety guy, actually. But uh, I, when I see those headlines, I, as soon as it said Massachusetts fireworks explosion, I said that's got to be some idiot uh, trying to make them. And sure enough, he, he was trying to make them himself. So, kids, don't try this at home. Leave it to the professionals. Okay, take your family out to the park on the Fourth of July. Let them do it. That's what they do. Uh, and then, then one of the last things I have here, Tommy. You know, we we, we talk about this all the time. You know, with, with reputation management, as we call it. You know, and getting that black eye all the time. Um, the an, an, an Iowa fire chief, they threw him out, and and they charged him with misuse of funds. You know, and 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 that's the stuff that kind of, you know, that's got one guy on TV that's an that grinds my gears. You know, it's it's just that we try so hard to create a reputation, and we. We're still, we're still the most uh, trusted and honored service in the United States. The fire service is the most trusted and honored service in the United States, bar none. Okay, when it comes to domestic, of course, the military they're in their own category, but when it comes to government agencies, the fire service is it. People trust their firefighters and they trust their fire chief more than anybody else in the city, in the town, wherever, you know. But so we try really hard to maintain that reputation, and then. These knuckleheads go and they do stupid shit like this. And you know what? We talk about it all the time. You go on to firehouse.com okay? or, or you go on, you know, fireengineering.com and you look at the websites and every once a week, some guy did something really stupid to tarnish the name. You know, and it just, it it, it, it bothers me. And I know, I know it does you too. You know, we, we're we in this for the right reasons. And, and, you know, you know don't be an idiot, on, you know, on, we, we, you know, we're, we're one of my commands, we went from, from a three-on-three-off to a 24-hour system. And I had a guy acting out, and I called him in my office one day, and I said, you know, on a 24-72 chart, you only work eight days a month. Okay, you only have to be a good guy eight days a month. You could be a moron and an idiot the other 22 when you're not here. Just be a good guy for eight days. Can you, can you be? A, I said, can you be a good guy for eight days a month and be an idiot and a moron the other 22? And he said, yeah, I guess I could do that. I said, okay, good. Get out of my office. Be a good guy eight days a month. You could be a schmuck the other 22. I don't care. I don't care. So the beat goes on, like they say. You got anything else of relevance, or would you like to go to the roll call?
1: I have the roll call. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, The last time we were on the air was uh, February 20th. And since then, there's been 18 line of duty deaths across the nation. Paul Cloutier from the Webster Fire Department in Webster, Massachusetts, died from an unknown medical while responding to an incident, and that occurred on February 21st of 2023. Uh, Ethan Quillen from the Paw Volunteer Fire Department in Michigan, Uh, Died when he was electrocuted at a fire scene, uh, February 22nd. Ricky Hill from the Flint Fire Department in Flint, Michigan. A medical emergency at a scene on February 25th. Jason Amo from the Buffalo Fire Department. uh, Died in a collapse at a fire scene on March 1st. William Bill Four from Brady Fire and EMS in Brady, Texas. This one kind of got to me. It was a self-inflicted gunshot wound at the fire station. And it, uh, again, kind of relates to our importance to recognize uh, some of our mental health issues. That happened on March 9th. Uh, Rocky Wood with the Virginia Department of Forestry in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, passed away from injuries in an ATV accident at a fire scene, March 9th. Matthew Smith from the Barrow County Fire and Emergency Services in uh, Courtsville, Georgia, uh, passed away from an unknown medical incident at a training uh, on March 21st. Milton Butch Beach from Oak City Volunteer Fire Department, in Oak City, North Carolina, had a heart attack at a a fire department training on March 22nd. Jeffrey Pfeiffer from Deptford Fire Department in Deptford, New Jersey, uh, suffered a heart attack while returning from a call on March 24th. Edward Heichel from the city of West Texas was hit by a vehicle at a, while operating on an accident scene on uh, March 28th. Uh, Jeremy Pelt from the Chicago Fire Department, Chicago, Illinois, uh, had a May Day at a fire scene which he passed away from on April 4th. Also uh, in the city of Chicago, Jan. Uh passed away from an unknown medical at a scene on April fifth. A day apart. Uh, Anthony, man, I'm just. I'm having trouble with Divin Cord from the Sussex Fire Department in Sussex, New Jersey, uh, suffered a heart attack after a call. Cody Mullins from the West Virginia Division of Forestry, uh, struck by a tree at a fire scene on April 13th. Horace Wright from the Abbott Volunteer Fire Department in Abbott, Texas, was struck on the scene by a piece of fire apparatus. Uh, He succumbed to his injuries on April 14th. Fred Fiedler from the Chester Volunteer Fire Department in Chester, South Dakota, heart attack at a scene on April 22nd. Chester Lauk from Frederick County Fire and Rescue in Winchester, Virginia, suffered a heart attack after a call on April 23rd. And Roy Sewell from the North Tazewell Volunteer Fire Department in Tazewell, Tennessee, uh, passed away from injuries sustained during a, uh, a vehicle rollover, their apparatus rolled on their way to a a scene on April 24th. Uh, I ask again, please keep the families of the fallen in your thoughts and prayers and learn the lessons that these line of duty deaths have left for us so that these tragedies don't get repeated. With that chief cameraman, that's uh, pretty much all I got. All right. Thanks, Tom. So uh, until
0: we're up on the back step again, uh, please join us. Uh, I think we're on next month. And uh, maybe we'll have a guest a guest uh, video uh, person or something. What do you call them? A guest, a, a best podcast, something, somebody else other than you and me. How long can they look at us? These people. N- be, new in the pod. They must be
1: nauseous by now looking at me and you. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So well, until we're uh, up on the since you and I have faces for radio, uh, you know, it's, good. It, it, it's going to
0: be interesting. Imagine a disappointment on our audience when they saw us tonight for the first time. <laughs> you know, they're, they're sitting back for 11 years listening to us on the radio saying, wow, that guy, Ron, he must, he must look like, you know, he must like that that Tom Cruise thing going on. And Tom, he's got that Paul Newman thing going. Imagine how freaking disappointed they are. We, we're sorry. We apologize. <laughs> but it's. Until we're up on the backstep again uh listen uh don't forget be safe slow down buckle up eat right eat light stop for red use your head watch how you drive arrive alive hug your wife hug your kids hug them tight when you say good night so don't forget to do that you know and and uh tell your loved ones you love them it's okay okay it's not a sign of and and tell the brothers in the firehouse that you love them too it's okay uh there's nothing wrong with that so until uh we're back on the back step again. That's about it. I want to thank our producer Mark Howe from uh, from uh, Fire Engineering and Clarion. Good night, Tom. All right, stay safe, everybody. I'll see I'll you see later, you. bro. Okay.